Number five of Washington State Running Legends. I'm your host, John Lichtenauer. Today's guest is a true legend, Pat Tyson. He has had such an incredible career that I'm devoting two episodes to his story. In the first episode, we talked about his running career. In part two, we'll discuss his coaching. I will start today by talking about his coaching highlights. He coached junior high school in the Shoreline District from 1973 through 1982. In this period, he had a 68 and 12 record. He went on to coach at Shorecrest High School from 1983 through 1985. His record was 31 and three, and he won two state championships during that time. He then moved on to coach at Mead High School from 1986 to 2006 with a record of 180 wins and eight losses in dual meets. He reached the state meet for 18 consecutive years. During that time, he won 12 state titles. His distance runners have won a total of 26 individual state titles. He went nine years without losing a meet while at Mead. He went to Nike National Team Championships three times and placed top five all those three years. He was named the Washington State Coach of the Year multiple times and was nominated for the National Coach of the Year. He is the current director of Gonzaga Cross Country and Track and Field teams. He has been there since 2006 and his team is currently ranked 19th in the nation. So welcome, Pat. Thank you, John. So I I thought we'd like to start out with, um, so when did you know you wanted to coach? When did you, yeah, when did you decide to become a coach? Well, I remember in ninth grade at Stewart Junior High School, Tacoma, Wash. You know, um, I don't know if I really wanted to be a coach, but I knew I wanted to be a leader of something. And I think at the time I was into music. And I and I, well, I wouldn't call myself a really insecure, uh, a real secure kid as a uh, coming of age kid. I, I but music was something I kind of liked and, and I thought maybe I would someday be a band director. Mm. So I went to Lincoln and was exposed to Dan Watson, the great, great legendary coach there, mm. Hall of Fame Washington coach. And uh, then I was exposed to running and, and, and track and, and, and so my music, uh, love, which I still love, by the way, mm. uh, became more of a secondary career thought. And so I, I guess it became very natural for me to want to get into coaching uh, and that feel for coaching in high school at Lincoln, watching what, watching what Dan Watson did with us, mm. and then going to Oregon, of course, and being exposed to Bowerman and, and Dellinger and Right. And wanted to and loving kids. I mean that that was really important to me that I knew mm-hmm. I was gonna wanted to do something with kids. Right. And if it wasn't gonna be music, then then let's get into coaching and, and coach runners. Right. So when did you decide what you wanted to teach or what, why didn't you become a music te- music teacher? Um again, being that I 
wasn't exposed to high-end academia as a kid. Mm. Great parent, great mom. Um, but it, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like a, a, a home that was enlightenment from mm. from from the intellectual. It was more enlightenment from blue collar survival. Right. Uh, but a lot of love, but it was just so a lo lot more simplicity, I guess the best way to say it. Mm. Um, so when I went to college to major in something, I, I knew I had to find something that I, I could be successful at, that I could mm -hmm. get a degree in that that wouldn't be so overwhelming that I would not be successful. Right. I always loved history. Mm. And I always loved English. And that, maybe that's part of the music. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a, a, a lyric is a, is a great, is a poem. Mm -hmm. and, and so um, I, I, I was always a bit of a, I guess I hate the word deep thinker. And, mm -hmm. and, and I love the uh, Edgar Allan Poe stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that major, uh, I had to find something that would, I, I felt comfortable with teaching that I could spread the gospel in the classroom right. academically and not be quote, uncomfortable with it. So mm -hmm. that's why I went into history and English. Okay. So you moved back to Seattle after Oregon. And you were running, did you go straight into teaching or did you run then go into teaching? How did that? Oh, I, I got right into teaching. Okay. And uh, and I went right into uh, Shoreline. And, and, this, and the school was Morgan Junior High School over in over in Lake Forest Park uh, area of Seattle. Okay. So did you teach at Shorecrest Junior High School or just Morgan Junior High School? Well, actually, I spent my first 10 years teaching 7th and 8th and ninth graders. Uh -huh. And and my first school was Morgan. Which okay, I was there for four years, and then they closed it down because um, they decided to create four-year high schools. Mm -hmm. So they had Shorewood, Shorecrest, Shoreline, mm -hmm. and then they shipped me over to another junior high called Kellogg. Mm -hmm. So four years Morgan, six years Kellogg, and so I had ten years of working with uh, and coaching middle school kids, which right. was a blast. Yeah. So what's it like going from elite level of running, elite level of university. It is, you know, the high level program, obviously from there to coaching junior high school. What was that experience like? It was, it was, it was ridiculously awesome. <laughs> um, because I was 23 years old to start with. Mm -hmm. And you have these little seventh and eighth graders, 12, 13, 14 year olds. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you. I felt like I was a 12 or 13 or 14 year old. <laughs> so it was like mm -hmm. a perfect fit. <laughs> and uh, we just had a blast. They, okay. um, we we had a boatload of kids running. Mm -hmm. We had a we had a a school that put on a, a big invitational meet and brought all these Tacoma schools like Hunt and Mason and and uh, there was another one too. And all these Issaquah schools and mm -hmm. all these uh, Bothell school, North Shore school district schools, Edmond mm -hmm. school district schools. We'd have. 200 little seventh and eighth grade kids running on our campus mm. and our parents of that middle junior high would put on the awards after the meet and, mm. and our school loved it. So mm. uh, great, great memories. And I probably the best, my favorite part of coaching was seventh and eighth and ninth grade in my whole career. Really? Really? Just because of the enthusiasm or the energy or what? all of the above yeah. energy, enthusiasm. I mean, 
I still know uh, some of those kids don't connect with me. No, it's nice. They, they'll mm. email me, and they're, they're they're all sixty years old now, you know. Right, right. And uh, but they all they just said that was the greatest part of their life growing up. There was a there was a bridge that you know I never knew because I didn't understand that, but mm. there was a bridge that got them through that that period of their life mm. uh, that they said that they'll never forget. Mm, that's great. It's exciting. Um, how about the actual coaching? Should you just coach distance runners or do you coach all things? I didn't, and you know, when it, I obviously cross is cross. So, okay. Um, cross, okay. And the coaching in cross, um, I just took the Oregon system mm. and, and just threw it at these middle school kids, mm-hmm. junior high kids. So we ran five days a week and I gave them recommendations to run Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. But they were probably putting in anywhere from 15 to 40 miles a week in seventh to eighth grade. Wow. Wow. And, yeah. and we had 25 kids break five minutes in a mile. Wow. That's great. Including three young ladies. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that was back in the seventies. And, uh, you know, it wasn't anything special other than what I learned at Oregon. I just kind of really downsized it uh-huh. uh, for those little guys. Right. Right. Did you coach track too? Yeah, and I coached track. Believe it or not, my first two years, I, I was actually at the high school. I taught next at, at Morgan, mm-hmm. but I was up at Shortcrest as a 23-year-old coach, mm-hmm. head track coach uh, in the Metro League, mm-hmm. and I coached the runners. And I, uh, I, there were you know I helped with the pole vault. And, mm-hmm. You know I did all the dirty work that you had to do back then because we had dirt tracks, so I had to line the tracks and get uh-huh. all the all the officials and mm-hmm. and teach and and coach and. And yeah, and run because I was a runner still too on my own with Club right. Northwest. Right, right, right. So in your career, basically, you, you always taught just distance runners, and you didn't do sprinters ever or other events, or? Uh, no, there were times when I had to kind of fill the void mm-hmm. uh, where I might coach sprints, but mm-hmm. it was very. I tried to to get people to help me that mm-hmm. were so good at that, and then uh-huh. I could be the director of the operations plus coach the runners right, so, right. Uh, pretty much the runners. Okay, good. So how did you move to shoreline high school? How did that change happen? And actually I moved from Morgan okay. to Kellogg. Remember mm-hmm. for that's okay. both those schools fed into, into short crest high school in, in the okay. shoreline school district. Awesome. Yeah, okay. And, uh, I, uh, I always wanted to graduate up. Um, I felt I had my, you know, I watched the high school state meets every year and thought I, I thought it would be kind of fun to be able to go to the high school and, and, and see what we could do. We, we, we did a really great job at the junior high middle school. Now let's, let's grow up a little bit. Let's turn into uh-huh. a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old. Mm-hmm. So I went to Shortcrest. Oh, Shortcrest. Sorry. So the two years you were there, you won state both times. Is that correct? I was actually there three years. Three years. Okay. Sorry. And, our first year we were, we got third behind Edmonds, Tom mm-hmm. Campbell's group at Edmonds. Mm-hmm. And then we won the last two years. Wow. That's amazing. So probably a simple, not a simple question, difficult question. How did that happen? I mean, how did you go from being new to a program basically to being state champions within a year or two? Uh, look, well, I guess the cool part, I guess is um, all those kids at Shortcrest mm-hmm. were from my junior high. Right. Right. So I, I lucked out in the sense of 
they knew me, I knew them. And so now I got to work with those kids for nearly a six year window. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I just took my, a lot, a lot of people would call me a Pied Piper kind of personality then. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I just took my Pied Piper personality and took it to Shorecrest and, right. and lit it up like I always did. You know, I, what I learned at Oregon um, and what I viewed in sports, like with John Wooden at UCLA, I, I just borrowed so many ideas from so many other sports to add to how do you take a program like Shortcrest and elevate it to being state champions, but just taking all the values that I learned and about hard work and discipline and a morning running club and full year, really year round running, right. um, which we had at Shortcrest too. We had a running club during the winter. When I taught junior, I they begged me to have a running, running club during the winter. Mm-hmm. So we had pictures in the annual with the junior high kids, but the high school kids, yes, uh, it was easy to elevate them because I had them for six years and they all bought in. Right. So was year round running at that time unusual or was that? I think it was unusual only because there aren't very many people that want to commit to it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the great programs in the state were committed to that. Edmonds, for example, mm-hmm. with Tom Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, Brock Hogle over Nathan Hale in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Sam Ringo and at Bellarmine and, and, and Jerry Sullivan over at Bellarmine and Tacoma. Right. Um, and then in Spokane, everybody was doing it. Mm-hmm. Can you, you talked about values from different coaches. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like what, what did you learn from different coaches or what um, values did you try to bring to your program? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, when my first guy that gave me, a feel for this. It was Dan Watson at Lincoln at Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And he took, uh, he was a sprinter himself. He was a state mm-hmm. champion sprinter out of Colorado. And he comes to Lincoln and I'm a sophomore. And it's his first year is my first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had to learn. And so he, well, the cool thing about Dan was he read everything he could about what Jim, Jim Ryan was doing in Kansas. Mm-hmm what Oregon was doing down in Eugene, Mm. uh, what Jerry Lingren was doing in Spokane. Mm. And he just, what he learned was that a lot of the kids were those, their success was a lot of mileage and a lot of 10 mile tempos. And, Mm. and so we did that sort of six times a mile, 10 mile tempos. So I learned a lot about training from him. And then when I went to Oregon, darn it, I got to learn the system that Bill Dillinger used when he ran in three Olympics and mm. what he used on Prefontaine, what he used on all of the runners that he had at Oregon, including the guys up more later after me, Alberto Salazar, Rudy Chapa, and all those guys. Mm. I know this is kind of a big question maybe, but what can you explain? What is the Oregon system? Well, the Oregon system is pretty simple. Mm. It, 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 it comprises of five principles. Mm. And number one is, is moderation. And, you know, I guess the old feeling train don't strain. Mm-hmm. It's better to under race, under train than to overtrain. Mm. So that would be the concept of moderation. Right. The second principle was progression. 
that you got to start at a certain point mm. and you have stepping stones to the next point and to the next point. You, and if you try to rush it, you're in trouble. Right. So progression would be the second principle. You, mm. you get a test effort. You run a five mile, minute mile, for example, mm. that's your date pace. Mm. And, and then maybe your goal pace is to break 440, let's say. Mm. So you got your date five flat, which is 75 second pace. And then you added elements of your goal pace, 70, you know, 70 second, 400s, for example. Mm. Um, so that's progression. Um, the third principle was, was uh, adaptation. Mm. That, that um, with all the weather and all the variables that you face in the COVID world today, mm. or... Uh, humidity or snow or wherever you live in your environment of wherever you coach mm. that you have to adapt because it's just, which makes sense. Right. Uh, and then the fourth principle is ver variation, a lot of variety in your training. Mm. So Bill Dellinger used to always tell us it's the spice of life, spice up your workouts. Don't do the same thing over and over and over. Cause it's just, you, you can kind of get, I don't know. I don't know. You just kind of get like in a rut. Mm -hmm. So a lot of variety, a lot of excitement with your workouts. Right. And then the last principle is, is a callousing that uh, if you're going to race, uh, you, you, you need to learn all the different um, strategies, going out hard, going out slow, hilly, humidity, what time of the day you're going to race and adapt your, I mean, uh, uh, callous yourself for that situation. For example, if you're, gonna, you know, you're going to be running in a hundred degrees, you better do some of your workouts in a hundred degrees. If you can do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and, and so those are the five principles that I learned that I used that totally makes sense in everything you do in life. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So you know, eventually you went to Mead. How did you, what brought about that? Or why did you switch to Mead High School? I was always enamored by Spokane, mm -hmm. uh, the, the running community. Mm -hmm. uh, being that when I was a high school kid, uh, Spokane kicked everybody's butt. Mm -hmm. And so I would uh, take the train from Tacoma in, when I was a high school kid over mm -hmm. to Spokane probably once a month. It took eight hours to get there, eight wow. hours to get back. Wow. Um, and I would get off and I would go hang out with the Ferris guys mm. or I'd hang out with the Rogers guys mm. and I'd come home like I, it was like they didn't have camps back then so it was my way of getting energized so I'd go home back to Tacoma and boy the weather runs sweet um, as a high school student you did this yeah that's amazing I never even thought about it but yeah I mean yeah I did it my mom let me do it so I just did it and I would wow. do it during the summer too, and then go hang out for a couple of weeks or a month with the Ferris guys and train with them. You had friends there, obviously. I mean, you must have. I, I, yeah, I learned. Well, the, the, Rick Riley was like the best guy in America. Mm -hmm. uh, Eight forty-eight two miler, and, and he held the American high school record before before uh, Steve Prefontaine. And mm -hmm. so he was so giving and caring. Mm -hmm. And we'd go to his house. And meet his parents and go out for runs. And I was like, I was in like seventh heaven. Wow. But so when I went back over time, I always kept 
a love affair with, with Spokane. Mm. And so when I got a call, remember, I, we, we had everybody back at Shorecrest that won the state. We're all going to come back again. And I left them. I felt very, very guilty. Mm. But I was invited to, to coach the runners at Mead High School and Spokane. I took it. Mm -hmm. Right. I read somewhere that you had an offer to coach at a university when you were when you were at Shore. Sorry, I'm going to say this wrong. Shorecrest, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I was offered the uh, coaching job at Colorado State. Mm -hmm. And I, but um, my mom contacted cancer. Okay. So I decided there's no way. The other job I conceivably could have had potentially was University of Washington. Mm -hmm. uh, they wanted me in in January. Right. And I had a, I had a commitment. I was teaching and I was activity coordinator at Shorecrest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you, right, right. no big deal. Right. I, it, was, it would have been real hard for me to leave because I loved all the kids I was working with and we were, mm -hmm. of course. but sometimes you have to pull a plug too, if you get an opportunity. Right. Right. So please tell me about me. What was the incredible, you know, incredible record there, obviously. How did you develop that program? You started that from, what was it like when you got there? Was there a program there when you got there? Um, good question. Mead um, was a very good program, mm. um, but it was a little bit down. Mm. It, it, it needed a little bit of, of uh, you know, just needed a little bit of work, polishing mm. the, the, the edges. Uh, but when I got there, I'll never forget that first session. There was about 10 or 12 runners. And I was a little disappointed that I left all my state champion guys back and spoke in Seattle. Right, right. And I went, whoa, this is not the Spokane I thought to myself. You know? Right, right, right. Um, but I had a little guy named Chris Lewis. He was a, a little sophomore. And it was a three-year high school for most of my career at Mead. I know the name, yeah. And Chris... Uh, was a little cool little punk mm -hmm. and he got ended up getting seventh in state that year. Mm -hmm. And then he would win state the next year and win state the next year. And all of a sudden we went nuts. Right. So I had, I had my, um, John Lennon. I had my, I had my Kurt Cobain. I had my, this guy, a rock star of an athlete, Kobe Bryant, whatever you want to call him, that was able to be my center piece mm -hmm. to build the program. And, and and so I was pretty lucky in that and, and because Chris within a year was one of the best runners in America and by the senior year he was the best runner in America. He ran the eight forty eight or eight forty something or he was he was a he, he broke nine once. Okay. We weren't shooting for times. He, he ran eight fifty at the state meet. Eight fifty, okay, right, right. He went out in four eighteen and wow. finished in nine eight fifty and mm. he ran the mile at Shelton, mm. went out in one fifty eight and ran four oh four. Really wow. The, the, the Spokane paper used to say, "He looks, he looks like an altar altar boy, but runs like the devil." <laughs> so, so I had this this character, mm -hmm. and so when you asked what was it like when I first got there, uh, what I noticed that was the biggest piece was the kids were really good at listening, mm -hmm. maybe even better than Seattle kids, right? <clears throat> and they had really good work ethics. Mm -hmm. uh, they were more simple. Mm -hmm. I think Seattle kids, I'm not knocking them, but they were just more uh, urban, Seattle, sophisticated. 
Mm-hmm. Spokane kids seem to be more like my my town's my high school. Mm-hmm. This is right. this is my. I don't have the Mariners. You know, I don't have the mm-hmm. SuperSonics at the time. I don't have the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I got I got my high school. <laughs> right. So when you saw Chris Lewis, did you see it? I mean, did you see it in him? I mean, how did did you see all these guys be great in the future, or could you see it initially? I saw the potential. I saw in him. Uh, a guy that could be a division one runner and be an all American. Um, Cause he, he just, he, 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 he never lost. Mm-hmm. You know, he had that, whatever that is that great runners or great athletes have. Mm-hmm. He had uh, so much self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a kid that needed a lot of love, came from a divorced family. Mm-hmm. And, um, Running became a really major part of his life. Mm-hmm. It changed his life. Like so running does, he would end up, you know, leaving, get a full ride to, to, to go to the University of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. become the freshman of the year in the Big Ten. Wow. And then he struggled with things there other than the running, but just so he fled back after, mm-hmm. after his second year, it's his junior. And I tried to get him to go to Oregon and he ended up, uh, going to Washington state mm-hmm. and it, Oh, he kind of fought off injuries and things like that. And, but today's a physician's assistant mm-hmm. doing great in Spokane, mm-hmm. happy. And his career set me off mm-hmm. uh, because he became the guy, the number one runner in America. And everybody thought, Ooh, there's this kid from Mead high school, you know, mm-hmm. It's almost like Newberry Park in California today. I mean, Newberry Park is kind of like the the school, mm-hmm. but Mead, Mead had it our way, a, a little more raw way, a little more the old school Oregon way. I called mm-hmm. it. Right. He was my he was my uh, Steve Prefontaine or Rick Riley or Jerry Lindgren that right. got Mead really, really, really going. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. loved him because he was a front runner. Right, right. Like no pretty- rabbits, just go out and terrorize the field and win. He was that way initially. As soon as he got them, he was. Yep. He, yep. He would just go out, uh, and so I, I learned not to give him uh, splits because he didn't. He didn't do splits anyway. He just went out and like a bat out of hell and and read it from the gun and it beat me if he can. But he was like Prefontaine in that respect. That mm-hmm. he, he just went out hard and and won every race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You you had many great runners at Mead. I mean, many runners that I've heard of. Can you talk about others that kind of struck you as interesting or impressive stories? Or? <clears throat> there were, you know, we had a lot of state champions, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris set the trend for us. Mm-hmm. And when we, and there were a couple of good runners in the Mead history that were pretty good before us. I mean, Mead had won the state cross country championship in '76, and they had a guy named. Uh, Kurt Messersmith, I hope yeah. I pronounced that right, but it was a 901 kid. I mean, mm-hmm. I love that kid. When I was teaching junior high, I, I said, oh, my God, that kid's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but after uh, Chris Lewis, we Greg Koontz, a lot of people don't remember that name, but Greg Koontz was state cross-country champion. and mm-hmm. He was a, a great footlocker runner. And, mm-hmm. and then, but even after him, there were some others that were amazing. The Davis mm-hmm. Brothers, right. Mm-hmm. right? Matthew Davis would run at Oregon All American. Micah Davis would run at Oregon All American. Nathan mm-hmm. Davis would run at Washington State. 
not mm -hmm. an All-American, but boy, he helped out WSU. But Matthew Davis was the next, it was like a, a bit of a prefontaine. Mm -hmm. Never lost, a, I mean, ever, ever a state meet in Washington State history. Mm -hmm. wow. Never lost a cross country state meet. Never lost a a, a, a sixteen hundred or a thirty two hundred. Amazing, undefeated, and wow. he just had that killer mentality that was uh, that that you saw. You see it very few runners, but he had it. Everybody in the state of Washington loved Matt Davis. Mm -hmm. Right. Another difficult question is, you know desire versus talent versus competitiveness I, I assume they're all important obviously but can you be successful without all of them uh no yeah. can't be successful uh bill dellinger asked me that question and you know if the fans or people are listening have heard of bill i think most many have he was a bronze medal winner in the olympic games and mm -hmm. in tokyo in, in 1964 and he was a three-time Olympian, mm. University of Oregon, um, an Oregon coach, Coach Salazar, and many other great runners, and uh, and Prefontaine, mm. and me, for that matter. Mm. But Bill always would ask me when I was coaching high school, what do you think is the number one thing about to be a great runner? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. And, and I said, uh, Bill, I think it has to be desire. And, and and then I said desire, but you, obviously a person who has talent and desire is a scary runner. Mm, right. A, a person who has no desire and has got talent, that's a sad. Mm. And a person who has no talent and a lot of desire, they'll be the best turtle in the world. <laughs> mm, right. But but yeah, it does take talent and desire. Mm. Uh, if you got you got those and you're going to be all right. Right. Did you have many uh, runners who came to you with that, with great desire, but little talent? Oh yeah. Mm. And, and maybe a little bit, of, I don't know if I really had all that much talent myself. Mm. Um, I must've had some because, of course, yeah. but, but I, it wasn't prefontaine style, mm. you know? Um, but yeah, I had, uh, I had a lot of runners that were that worked themselves into being good, mm -hmm. and um, or there was a guy that on our team that was our his name was Craig Copy. Mm -hmm. Craig Copy was probably at the time we had about maybe a hundred boys out for running, mm -hmm. and he was like our hundredth, wow. and he was a, he was about a thirty minute five k guy. Mm -hmm. I didn't say ten k. <laughs> and and uh he was born with feet that were kind of twisted around wow and he was the coolest kid mm. and uh but he he never stopped he had a lot of desire and and he had physical challenges mm. he never ever ever walked and he never ever stopped mm. he always finished so he was the coolest and he was always on the course, when his race was done, mm. yelling for Matt Davis or Micah Davis or, mm. or whoever. All right. So, yeah, so I've had many, many guys like him. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, uh, uh, there was one young man that was 
fairly overweight mm. and the running got him to be underweight, more mm. normal weight, I should say. Right. And it changed his life. Mm. So many ways of coaching kids to win. If they don't have a lot of physical talent, but they have a lot of desire that the desire changes their life. They become a lifetime runner mm-hmm. um, and their health is better and their mindset is better and all that sort of thing. Right. Right. Um, another big question. If I ask you, like, what is your philosophy for coaching high school students? I mean, if, if there's a new coach out there and they, they want to start coaching high school, what principles or what, what ideas do you have or what, would, what advice would you give them? Yes. I think this. I think if you're going to be a coach, I think you got to be all in. Mm-hmm. I think you got to. I think you got to be all in. Mm. I think we don't see a lot of that anymore. Mm. I came from a generation we were all in. We just loved it. Right. Sam Ring. Sam Ring was at Mason Junior High before he went to uh, Bellarmine and Wilson, and of course UPS now and. Terry Rice at Tacoma coached at Hunt before he went to Stadium. And Jim Burwall was at Mason before he went to Mount Tahoma. And I was at Kellogg and Morgan before I went to Shortcrest and Mead. And we can go on and on and on. Hmm. But I think one of the pieces is, is you guys, it's such a cool sport. And, and you can do a lot of things in your school hmm. to, to really, really uh, make a difference with with people mm-hmm. and running is a great venue for that. And mm-hmm. the, the cool part about it is we know that running is better for your health and it, it and to get kids to become lifetime runners. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like we should be saints mm-hmm. because you know, it's, 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 it's the, it's the, there's nothing to apologize. Right, You're not right. selling used cars, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's one of the things to be all in. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel like you have enough, background go to go to clinics mm-hmm. go to uh, go spend a day or two with other coaches i mean i have coaches that come to spokane and when i was at me i had a coach spend the night with me from seattle they mm-hmm. want to just you know suck it up what hang out with our team for a couple of days during, during the summer come to our summer practice mm-hmm. go to camps and hang out they have coaches camps around i know it Brad Barquist, who coaches at Interlake in Seattle, has a, a running camp called Olympics Peaks over there in uh, Fl- uh, Fort Flagler mm. over on the Olympic Peninsula. Right. I mean, really do the best you can to know the sport, mm. but really be fully committed like football coaches are, basketball coaches are, soccer coaches are, volleyball coaches are. Mm. And, and, and really make it cool, but don't forget to make it also – high end for the kids who are high end mm-hmm. and then make it cool and more fun for the kids. We're not into that because the high end kids, um, I had one kid, for example, that grew up in a, uh, in a trailer, in a very, 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 very poor part of, of meat area. Mm-hmm. And after he, after his four years of running at Mead, he ended up going to Iona university in, uh, just outside of New York City. Mm. Today he's married to a girl that graduated from law school from Duke. Mm. And this guy had nothing, absolutely nothing. 
Mm. When I first met him, he couldn't even speak. Wow. He, he was so shy and insecure. And and now I look and I go, oh my gosh, he's got a Duke wife for gosh <laughs> sakes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's more than just, I mean, it's also, I want our kids to win. Of course. So, I mean, everybody loves success. Right, right. If you have a big squad, you can, you know, set high goals and, Mm. I think a rookie coach, if your team's not very good, don't go to a big meet. Go to some little wussy meets and win a trophy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, mm. hide out, hide out. And, uh, but I think really the most important is learn your sport, learn your sport, learn your sport mm. by surrounding yourself with people and go out to a pub with a couple coaches and just talk track and talk mm. workouts and learn. Right, right. So little technical questions here. So mileage obviously what kind of mileage do you think high school runners should be running to be successful they want to be successful well if you had to throw a number right um i think our top guns at mead high school were were 60 miles a week really Hmm. and i I might add they ran that they were running they were all year runners and we Hmm. did we did daily doubles right every every morning those top guys would go out for a little 20 minute shakeout in the morning Uh uh-huh so it's easy to get 60 miles because you had an extra three miles in the morning. Right, right. Uh, uh, so uh, we created a culture. Uh, I, I call it the lifestyle, mm-hmm. where we had a morning shakeout right. and then a run in the afternoon uh, pretty much from September through when school's out. And then right. during the summer, they'd run once a day. And, you know, it was more, more base running. But again, maybe 60 miles a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then kids that are rookie, rookie, rookies, don't know anything. I don't even know if you want to put a number on it, but mm. you know, maybe they're running 20 miles a week, 30 miles a week, but I think mm. your top kids, um, nothing wrong with 60, maybe not right. even wrong, wrong with 70. Don't be, don't worry about burnout. There's no such thing as burnout. Burnout is when kids just change and want to go a different direction and try something else. Mm. What about quality? Do you believe in all their miles should be quality miles or mix it up, mix yeah. it up. Mm. I believe in, uh, uh, when you talked about uh, principles of training, uh, moderation, for example, I, I think a, a, in a seven-day pattern mm. that, uh, uh, let's say, three days of those seven days should be very, very easy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking about conversational pace right? and mileage, whatever that is. I mean, but it's recovery. I call it recovery days. Mm-hmm. And then uh, three two of those days should be get after it days. Mm-hmm. And that could be like a tempo day, a longer tempo run, like four to 10 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other day of those get after days could be repetitions, intervals mm-hmm. that uh, relate to the race they're going to run. If mm-hmm. they're going to run a three mile race, then six times an 800, for example, that would, that would be three miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's three times a mile plus a run and, maybe some strides, but you're doing at least that distance and the pace is based on what they're going to race. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one long run mm-hmm. that is just conversational pace that anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes, right. even in high school, I don't mm-hmm. think uh, it's almost like you're on a hike, you're going on a hike, but you're running. Right. 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 And so uh, it's all right to take a day off too, I think, but I never had our kids take a day off in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they just love to run. Mm-hmm. Now, kids that weren't totally into it, they'd probably take a day off. Right, right. But, uh, 
I always had what I call our dirty dozen. There was always 12 kids that say, I want to be good and I want to mm -hmm. go to college and run. Mm, nice. It helped me, help me out. Mm -hmm. And they would run Monday, Wednesday, Friday, easy runs. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, interval runs. Mm -hmm. Thursday, maybe some hills and some shorter strides. Mm -hmm. Saturday, a, te a long tempo, let's say eight to 10 miles. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday, that 90 minute run or 80 minute run or 70 minute run or whatever it was mm -hmm. on their own because that's mm -hmm. Sunday. Did, did runners come to you and say, make me great? I mean, did people, would people be that explosive? Yes. Oh, that's great. Yes. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then and, and all I would tell them is, we're going to make this fun. And, and I don't want you to be too, too serious. I mean, you know, you don't want them to get so mm -hmm. wound up into it that they get a little too crazy with it. But right. you know what, what, what's wrong with, if a kid comes up to you and they're in band, and they play an oboe, and they say, "I want to be the, I want to be a great oboe player." Mm. Why wouldn't you tell them, "I can help you"? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And then running the same way, I can help you become a great runner. Mm -hmm. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, one question about how high school running has changed. I mean, in the history of high school running, there's been obviously great runners like Jerry Lindgren or Jim Ryan or Rudy Chapa, you know, who, who ran you know, twenty-eight, thirty, or something like that. In high school, do you think the quality of high school running is better now i mean more people are breaking four minutes obviously how do you think the past compared to now well it's an interesting period now mm. and it's all uh because of social social media mm -hmm. everybody knows what everybody's doing mm -hmm. um the covid world you think would have slowed people down mm. but it actually sped people up during the, COVID, during the COVID world, mm. the state of Washington had more kids run fast in distance races than any time in one given period yeah. in history. Right. Amazing, right? Why? I, because they, they didn't have to go to class for six periods <laughs> in the world. Right. They were online, zooming, mm. chilling, running, connecting with their buddies, mm. saying, hey, let's, my, my, uh, Buddy's going to put a two-mile race on at Olympia High School. Uh, it's going to be twilight, eight at night. Mm -hmm. Anybody that wants to show up and it gets out there, all these great runners from Oregon or all over Washington show up at Olympia, mm -hmm. and it's twilight, eight at night, and they all go kick butt. Mm -hmm. And and so it's like it's kind of the perfect world, I guess. Instead of running a bunch of dual meets mm -hmm. and crappy weather and you know, go to class all day. And plus nobody got the flu or colds because they had masks on. Right. They weren't around each other. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What, what would you say is the greatest, uh, high school performance, like top three greatest high school performances. In, in history of, history. of America. Yeah, I'd right. say, uh, um, as a distance runner, I think you have to Jerry Lindgren mm. is going to be one of those because uh, I mean, there's many races that he run that were phenomenal, mm -hmm. uh, including uh, taking on the Russians mm -hmm. in the L.A. Coliseum and beating them in, in in the USA versus USSR meet. And he's a, he's a high school kid, right? And it made wide world of sports. It was a, I mean, it was like the New York Times. It was like, oh my gosh! Mm -hmm. And he did another one similarly down in. San Francisco and what they all call the old Cow Palace, where the San Francisco mm. Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, played. Mm. 
and where he, he took on a guy by the name of Ron Clark, who was the world record holder in the mm. two-mile indoors, I believe, from Australia. Mm. And he battled him to about an 841. He, I think he got beat, but he was 841 for two miles in high school mm. in the 1960s on a plywood board, 100-meter, mm. 11 times a lap per mile. So he did 22 laps on this sucker. You got to put Jerry Lindgren, that indoor in, in Cal Palace, and that 10,000 against the Russians. Mm. You got to put that probably as number one. Right. You could argue, though, the second one is Jim Ryan mm. in Kansas, Lawrence. Uh, he, uh, he went to East Wichita High School and running the sub four minute mile on a dirt track in the Kansas State meet. Mm. And it's hot and muggy and humid and all the above and he runs i don't know i think it was like a 358 maybe mm -hmm. uh, one of his teammates helped him right uh but basically no rabbiting mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't like this all oh, twilight meet in california on a fast track with good shoes mm -hmm. and, and then jim ryan made the olympic team when he was in high school you see mm -hmm. and jerry lingard ran the made the high made the olympic team when he's in high school so i think that mile by jim and then maybe the you know, he also held the American record when he ran 356, I think it was, mm. as a high school kid. I think he did it in Bakersfield. Mm. And he made front covers of Sports Illustrated. I'd say those are the first two big performances by, by high school kids. But if you had to go look um, at present runners, uh, I mean, there's, I mean, I watched Alan Webb run a 353. Mm. Uh, high school mile at the, at the pre-classic and I'm, I'm not going to say it was a it was it was it was amazing mm. but it, it was 11 in the morning on a Sunday mm. but El Garouche the world record holder was in the race mm. and and there was many others in the race including uh, uh, our friend that coaches in Arizona Kenyon I should know his name my brain sorry about that but mm -hmm. um Bernard Lagat. How can I forget right. Bernard Lagat? Mm -hmm. um, but they were great races, but they weren't like epic front runner like Jim Ryan or, or like Jerry Lindgren. Mm -hmm. The third runner, well, can we not say Prefontaine? Yeah, right, right, right. And, and, and Pre's got so many when he was high school, but probably when he ran his 843 high school national record mm -hmm. in Corvallis mm -hmm. in 1969. Uh, in an invitational twilight meet against Oregonian high school kids. Mm -hmm. It wasn't set up like a big premier meet. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people would say that was a, a pretty much a moment in time also. So mm -hmm. there you go. Three guys. Yeah. I know it's old school, but <laughs> I, I think those were pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah definitely. Of course. Um, let's talk a little bit about your move to university. What made you shift to university, coaching university? Well, it's sort of like, why did I shift from junior high to the high mm, school? Right. Um, I, I remember a guy that I used to, to teach with when I was teaching in, in uh, Shoreline's public schools mm. who told me that every five years you should mix things up. Mm. That way you don't get in a rut. Mm. You'll be a better human being if every five years you just totally do something different. Right. Well, I haven't always lived by that, but I kind of always thought the idea was great. My One of my last years at Mead, um, I was called by University of Oregon mm. to come in and be an interim coach. They, they were dealing with some issues. 
and they asked me to come in and be the distance running coach. So I did. And then mm-hmm. By me coming, Galen Rupp came in from mm-hmm. from uh, from Central Catholic, and a couple other guys came in. And so I, I think I always felt like, well, there's no offense or anything, but there's a lot of crappy high college coaches. Mm-hmm. When you're a high school coach, you say, where am I going to send my kids? Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of coaches are like, they treat kids like adults, but they're like 18-year-olds. They're still kids. So mm-hmm. right. I decided, I well, I, maybe I can be one of those guys who can go coach college and mm. and, and help high school coaches find their kid a place to yeah. uh, experience a, a, a really good you know, coaching, uh, an athlete experience. So right, right. that's one of the reasons. So I went to Oregon and then um, one piece that maybe was left out um, as I, uh, a lot of people asked me uh, cause I didn't get the Oregon job. So I went back to Mead and wrapped up my, my 20th year. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people uh, asked me to apply to uh, Kentucky. Mm. And so I did, and I got the job. So I went there for a year mm-hmm. after Mead. And right. I think part of it again is just, Let's go explore what an 18 to 22 year old kid's all about and let's mm. see if we can help them. Right, right. So you went to Kentucky. What happened there? What was that experience like? Oh, I, I really enjoyed Lexington. Right. Uh, it's just that I'm a Northwest guy. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, I think if you're, if you're from the Northwest and you go anywhere else, it's hard to, oh my gosh. Mm. It, it's just hard. To, uh, so I went there and uh, I, I know I made a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just didn't feel what I needed. If I, and so I, I, I decided if the longer I stay, I'm going to be, I'd still be there today. Right. Right. Uh-huh. But I uh, ended up deciding to cut, cut the, uh, cut the thing off and came back to Spokane and, and uh, uh, connect it with the athletic director at Gonzaga. And so if a job pops open, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. So mm-hmm. uh, I did take a, a pause and helped out at South Eugene high school. Right. Uh, before I took uh, the job at uh, Gonzaga in 2008, but I did spend 2008, the, the, the winter and spring at South. Mm, okay. and, then, and then took the Gonzaga job in the fall of 08. Right. So what's the transition been like going from t- coaching high school to coaching at university? Well, I quit teaching six classes. I taught mm. 33 years. Mm. So I, that energy evaporated because uh, that took a lot of energy. Mm. Uh, I think the um, hardest part is, and this is not to take a, uh, to knock eighteen to twenty year olds, mm. but they're not as excited about life as when you're twelve, okay. thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Mm. There's they're they're a little more independent, right? And and maybe they think they know too much, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, right. What would, so? What's the biggest challenge? you know, working with university students. Is it that? Is it the fact that they're, you know, they don't believe the coach as much or they don't, you know, they think they know more than they do or they, maybe they do know a lot, who knows? Well, I think uh, if I take the athletes out of the puzzle for a second and and just talk about, in many ways, high schools have more equity mm-hmm. when it comes to, you, you got whoever's in your school Right. And almost every school in America has kids. Mm-hmm. And can you can you can you create a culture of awesomeness, excellence, mm-hmm. right. in that school? Mm-hmm. And in college, uh, I don't have a track. Mm-hmm. Really well. Um, 
maybe I, I had one scholarship my first few years. Mm-hmm. I coached men and women, mm-hmm. and it cost fifty thousand dollars a year to go to Gonzaga. How am I gonna? How am I gonna make this work? Right. And and it kind of ate my soul a little bit because I'm very mm-hmm. competitive. I hate to lose, mm-hmm. but but the kids I had were cool kids. Not everybody had that ultimate desire that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Some some had a little bit of that desire, mm-hmm. and I could help them get better. Right. And over the years and the years and the years, because this is my 14th year at Gonzaga, mm-hmm. um, I've been able to attract kids who are my style in the sense of they really want to be good. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the biggest challenge I may have is is that they don't know how to turn that switch off and, and they almost try too hard mm-hmm. and, and don't realize they're stepping stones to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And they think too much. Mm-hmm. And there are some high school kids that think too much. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But college kids, a lot of them are just overthinkers and overanalyzers. And mm-hmm. if I can get them to kind of turn that switch off and just remind, remind them running is simple mm-hmm. and running is running. <laughs> and uh let's let's just go for runs and get strong and see where we go mm-hmm. and 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 so that's kind of where we are today mm-hmm. we've evolved to the point now the guys that are in here uh and and i know that jake stewart with the women on the women's side they're just they're buying in they're working hard they're mm-hmm. doing all the little things that make big things happen eat right sleep sleep right mm-hmm. study right go to bed and then love each other, love your teammates and mm-hmm. train with each other. And, uh, it's, it, but the biggest difference is, is that they're more independent, which mm-hmm. is normal. Right. And, uh, it, and I'm not trying to say I love them to be dependent on me, but I think a lot of parents love their kids to be dependent on them. You know? Right. Right. When you recruit a student for Gonzaga, what are you looking for? What qualities are you looking for? I'm looking for grit. Hmm. I'm looking for a kid who has grit, who has wide eyes, mm-hmm. who says, I want to be good mm-hmm. and doesn't make excuses. Mm-hmm. And they're just cool. Right. Uh-huh. And that's what I'm looking for. Right. And, and that way, when they're with their teammates, mm-hmm. that, that they have the grit and they want to be good and they love each other. Mm-hmm. They're a great team, right. teammates. Uh, and that goes a long way. So that's that's really, and you know, obviously you want some talent. Right, right. Back to that word, talent. But oh, do you want grit? Talent with grit is scary. Right, right. I've I've read places that coaches look for low mileage runners. They want high school runners that haven't run very much in high school, so they're not. How do you feel about that? I don't care how many miles. I just want that grit. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I want that. And that's I want good. that kid that says, "I want to be good." All right, hopefully right. they're hopefully they're pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't want to have someone that's injured all the time. Cause that, that poor kid, I feel sorry for that kid. Right. Right. So let's talk about Gonzaga now, like this year. So I, we were talking before that in the meet, was it the Dellinger meet, right? Yeah. You, you got second place to Oregon by five points. I think. I think it was like 57 to 62. So I think oh. that's about right. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So could you tell us about your team this year? How is, how it's going and what, do you foresee for the, the future? It's really interesting, uh, John, because this is my, um, I think it's my 48th year of coaching. Mm. 
And every year is like a different year. That's probably why I like coaching and teaching mm -hmm. versus a, right. a working at the same job. You know, the nails, the same nail, no offense. <laughs> mm -hmm. The evolution and where the kids are, and a lot of it's driven from the, from them. Mm -hmm. They're, we have great leadership. A guy like Yassine Gramali comes out of Camas, Washington. Mm -hmm. He's just, everybody listens to him and kind of, looks at him as kind of their their leader for mm -hmm. workouts and lifestyle and right and so you got him and this James M. Warren and Lincoln of Tacoma and Will Smith out of Lewis and Clark of Spokane. I mean they went three, four, five, six against the Ducks. Amazing. And again and, and the Ducks number one runner is from California. The Ducks number two runner is a German. Mm -hmm. I'm not knocking that. I'm just mm -hmm. saying my number one runner is out of Camas, Washington. My number two runners out of Tacoma, Washington. My number three runners from Spokane, Washington. You know, I mean, this <laughs> guys from the been in the neighborhood, I guess we'll call them. Right, right. And uh, and then you add more more to the 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 pod, um, and they go down to Eugene and they do something that I don't even know if everybody else understands what they did mm -hmm. because it's they're they're just kids from the neighborhood. Right, and, right. And, and, and you don't see a lot of that in college athletics anymore. And most mm -hmm. of college athletics, and this is not to knock it, it's just, I mean, you see it in every sport where you might just go after international athletes and uh, portal athletes that are one and done out of certain colleges or they just mm -hmm. they have a fifth year eligibility left. Nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It's just that here I got these guys from mm -hmm. the neighborhood and, and mm -hmm. they're, they're in there chewing and feeding and Mm -hmm. excited and, and they come home and they, they want more and they want more and <laughs> and so what's happening is there's a lot of recruits out there that are when I when we did that well against Oregon I had like 200 text messages All right. I'm, st <laughs> I'm still recovering wow that's great uh, and and uh, so of course I, I wish I could have 500 runners on my team but I can't <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's just what's cool is that they're buying it it's success breeds success mm -hmm. and it's and everybody wants, once you start winning, everybody wants to know what you're doing, but we're not doing anything <laughs> different than I did at Morgan right. Junior High School. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So uh, we talked before about this also. So what's your next meet? Oh, we're going to go to, back to a really intense meet in, in, in Wisconsin, in, in mm -hmm. Madison area, mm -hmm. uh, called Nutty Comb. Mm -hmm. And there'll be like 35 teams there, like Stanford, Oregon, mm -hmm. Washington, mm -hmm. uh, Oh my gosh, they're all there. I mean, I could go through a lot. The only ones that won't be would be like uh, Northern Arizona and Notre mm -hmm. Dame, and they're I think they're going to be doing that with in the Florida State meet that what they call the the pre nats. But Oklahoma State's going to be at this meet, so it's it's like heavy hitter. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were to get tenth, you were you're awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you were to get better than tenth, you're awesome or er. <laughs> uh, even the top fifteen. You're pretty. You're pretty. That means they, they consider you one of the top 15 teams, probably in the country, top 20 for sure. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go back there, and it's going to be 35 teams times about seven runners. I mean, that added up. That's mm -hmm. that's a pretty big field, and right. and and we'll see how it's, it's going to be a good test for our, our our kids that are mostly from the northwest. In fact, every one of my kids on my roster are from the northwest. Really, that's that's great. I don't know if you like to talk about predictions or what goals are for your your team this year i mean do you do you have obviously you have them but do you do you mind talking about what you want from your team this year yeah we we want uh i think it's best to maybe just talk 
if I was a high school coach, I'd say we want to talk about us and we don't really talk about anybody else. It's mm-hmm. like, what can we do for us? Right. And we, we have our three low sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, James M. Warren and, and Yusin Guamali and Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And then we got these other four sticks mm-hmm. that are pretty good. And, and we want them to, to really feed off each other and get out and help those other three sticks because the lower our four, five, and six, and seven go, particularly four and five, mm. is going to lay out our score. Mm. And I want them to run for each other, bleed for each other, mm. and, and really master uh, that um, pack running, which mm. everybody knows in our sport is like big. Mm. So if we master our pack running and our top, our top three sticks do really well, mm. whatever our score is, it, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. And, mm-hmm. and wherever that takes us, you never know. Does that take us to a podium someday in, in, mm. in Tallahassee, Florida, where the nationals will be in November? Mm-hmm. I mean, are we pushing it too quickly? Is, is that realistic? I think our guys are just open to see what happens. It's, I don't think anybody expected us to be within six points of Oregon two, right. three days ago. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, I'm very excited to see, you know, what, what happens. That's probably a good place to finish up. Um, Pat, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, I've always wanted to, you know, hear your story and, you know, hear about your coaching. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, John. And, uh, well, maybe we'll come back and have a, a, a forum where we can have answering question things or something like that. That'd be kind yeah, of cool. That'd be great. Okay. Thanks again to Pat Tyson for taking the time to tell me about his life and his career. And thank you to all the people who have listened to this podcast. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you really want to help, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Pat had a great idea for a forum where he will answer questions from listeners. I will post this idea on the different websites I advertise this podcast on. And if you have questions, you can write me there. Or you can write to me at my email address, which is johnleestenauer at hotmail.com. I know the spelling of my name is really difficult, so you can find that on you know, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, any of those places. So anyway, thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it.